0: to Across the Margin, the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Shields. Across the Margin, the podcast is a proud member of the Osiris Media Group. Head over to OsirisPod.com to check out their growing collection of podcasts. And they have a whole bunch of new live events that they're scheduling and worth checking out. And that's all at OsirisPod.com. I got a great episode for you today. One that features a comedian. Been too long since we had a good comedian on the program. We have a great one today in Alonzo Bowden. Alonzo has been making people laugh for over 20 years, with many fans knowing him as a regular panel member on NPR's popular podcast, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. A professor of comedy and life, Alonzo's first big comedy break came when he was on the New Faces of Comedy showcase at the Just for Laughs Festival in Montreal. However, it was as the season three winner of NBC's Last Comic Standing, where Alonzo was first introduced to America. Since then, he has starred in two comedy specials for Showtime. One's called Historically Incorrect, and the other is Who's Paying Attention. His television appearances include ABC's Dr. Ken and Fresh Off the Boat, Dr. Phil, The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, Late Night with Conan O'Brien, Comedy Central's The Nightly Show with Larry Wilmore, and Californication. His latest comedy special, which is tremendous in the focus of this episode, is called Stupid, Don't Get Tired. A must-see performance that emphatically exhibits Alonzo's uniquely meaningful yet light-hearted approach, cunning worldview, and all-around savvy. I want to mention that this special took place at Helium Comedy Club in Philadelphia. Helium Comedy is a family-owned independent entertainment provider with contemporary club venues across the country. Clubs are located in Philly, Portland, Buffalo, St. Louis, Indianapolis, Raleigh, Austin, and uh, New Jersey. I think Rutherford. Helium Comedy is doing something real cool. They just announced and launched their own content streaming brand. It's known as Helium Comedy Studios. They got a YouTube page. Get over there. That's where Alonzo's special lives. A whole lot of great comedy there. Recorded live in Helium locations, this new channel will be releasing clips of performances, full stand-up specials like Alonzo's, and much, much more. One of the people behind it, I want to give a big shout-out to Jimmy Chairman. He's actually been on the show before, and... He directed Alonzo's special and linked us up. So thank you, Jimmy. All love there. But it's a good episode, isn't it? Me and Alonzo converse over many of the themes present in his new stand-up special, including COVID, cancel culture, pandemic dogs, being a self-described news junkie, anti-vaxxers, the 1989 Los Angeles Clippers, and beyond. We also dig into Alonzo's first forays into comedy he's wildly popular aforementioned NPR podcast we talk about jazz music and a whole lot more Alonzo's hysterical you have to see that special um, it's a great interview really really love talking to him I have no doubt you're gonna love this conversation with Alonzo Bowden Cross 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 Cross,
1: Cross the margin Cross the margin Cross Cross the the margin. podcast how are you all right hey listen i'm sorry about earlier no worries um i don't know how to say dump in french <laughs> So I'm having trouble describing the place they're putting me up. Where you at? Where you at? So I'm at the Just for Last Festival in oh, wow. Montreal. Oh, cool. But since I'm here for half the month, they put me in one of these corporate stay apartments rather than a hotel. I mean, just looking at that roof, man. Well, it's, it's a cement studio, which that's okay. okay. They try to be modern, but... Mike, I got a, uh, a, a sink that, that's clogged. Um, that's the crank that's supposed to open the window. <laughs> the window?
0: Does it even work when you put it up there? Yeah,
1: that's, that's not attached to anything. Damn. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the only thing that they fixed so far, I also have a coffee maker that, and I've never seen this, the numbers didn't blink. They just kept running, like 12, <laughs> 1, 2, 3, blah, blah, Yeah, and, and uh, the only thing they fixed so far, I did have a light bulb out. They came and got we, that? Yeah, so, yeah, we're, we're going back and forth over. Take, take the right. wind
0: where you can get them there, you know?
1: So how's this the morning, heat morning, I just, I was, uh, let's say not focused. Yeah, how's the, how's the heat? How's the heat up there? Is it hot? Uh, it's coming up. You know, it went, we've been here a week. Yep. And I would say this week, the humidity has gone up 50 percent so it was it was actually last week was fine mm-hmm. and I've been here when you know you can't walk a block without changing shirts yeah yeah so we, we haven't reached that point yet but
0: I'm in a that. I'm in Texas right now I'm in Fort Worth and uh it is something it was it's 110 uh today was yesterday
1: it's that thing I, 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 the great thing about Texas though yeah. at night when the sun goes down it'll cool down to Dangerous. 106.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you dropped you know, those three. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yo, thank you for taking the time, though. I really appreciate it. this special. I
1: love the special. It's great. Thank you, man. I am I am very happy with it. I'm happy with the response. People like them inserting my commentary. This is the first time I had to comment on jokes as I was making them. Yeah. But it it worked out really well. And uh yeah, I'm I'm happy with it. Yeah, that's cool to hear you know what i like it's
0: like um and you mentioned it in the beginning where you kind of like they showed the interview part uh interlude to it it's kind of you're unpacking you know what happened during the pandemic and that's kind of it looks like as a chance to kind of get all that material out there kind of sort out all the madness and then kind of maybe hopefully move on to what's next that sounded like what you were aiming for a little bit right? yeah
1: i mean this is you know when you do topical comedy right it it somewhat has a shelf life so I'm hoping I'm hoping I never have to do pandemic material again I hope this was it and we can uh leave it behind us and remember the good the bad and and the somewhere in between but let's not all have to sit home and and watch the Tiger King again yeah (laughs) I do I do like
0: that you did um you did point out some some of the good stuff you know like the the traffic like I mean I'm a jogger I got to run across the Brooklyn Bridge one day with nobody on it, nobody one time. And it was just something I'll never forget. And there's a the little moments, but what you really channeled, which was fucking amazing was just the frustration. And, you know, when you got into that part of a, uh, you know, next 10 minutes, anti-vaxxers are not going to like this. Uh, that had my heart. That was so good. But like, it must've been almost cathartic to bring home some of this frustration to the table and just kind of point out some of this ridiculousness we had to deal with.
1: Right. Well, I mean, it, Mike, this is the society we live in now, right? And, and I talk about it, the fact that if you have 100,000 followers, they give you the same credibility as someone with a PhD. It's like, no, no, they went to school for 12 years. You found 99,999 idiots to follow you. It, yeah. It's a bit different. And when you talk about the frustration, I have friends who work in science. One in particular, mm-hmm. she's a scientist for the Red Cross, um, specifically in blood and, and wow. yeah. disease. I mean, you know, she's, a, she's a scientist. <laughs> to listen to her frustration when when they give these you listen to these people, you know, and it's like the the number of people who believe the vaccine was gonna make them magnetic. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so you don't get it. You don't get it because we we got to eliminate that from the gene pool. Yeah, we I, do. I, I, I joke about it, yep. and I wish it was a joke. Yeah, but there are people right now who still believe that the vaccine is going to do something to you. You we'll know, yeah. Them. I remember the polio vaccine. I remember what it did to people. It yep. stopped polio. Stop
0: polio. <laughs> polio. That's what it, what it did. I love. I love how you break down that there was a point where there was people who knew things. Versus uh, people who don't, and there was a barrier. And I've always said, um, me and my friends always talk about it is like humanity's too dumb for the internet. Like we're too dumb for the internet. It's like it's it's really it's we're not ready for it. It's
1: not. We, were, good. we were talking about this yesterday. The internet is the best and worst thing to ever happen to mankind. Yeah. At the same, it is the best in the world. and I promise you. The problem, the people who created it, you know, except for Al Gore. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Get all the credit. Thank you, Al. People who were that smart can't account for stupidity. That's the problem. They they didn't set up any guards because they didn't see it coming. How could he? They I think in, in any time when we have something like this, something that's gonna change society in this way. They need to put like two stupid people on the panel, just yeah. so you're like, oh yeah, we got to watch <laughs> out for that.
0: <laughs> exactly. I would have never thought of Never thought about it. But you get a good view of you know some of the thoughts that you were going through, and you know how, you, how bored you were during the pandemic. That was, we all were. And uh, just, I, I love to talk to comics. I got a lot of comedian friends in my life, and just I love to talk about the moment and how they feel about getting back out there. How was it for you to get back out there? And
1: oh man, I I went from march 13th to mm-hmm. july 4th without doing one show that's the longest i've gone in my career oh, thanks. and like every other comic i was going nuts i i uh, i'm not sure i'm gonna credit ted alejandro but i'm not sure it was him but it was some comic talking about how his wife was going to put him out in spite <laughs> of the pandemic because she couldn't handle him being in the house yeah. any longer yep. yeah, yeah we're not good when we're not working we <laughs> need yep. to get out But the uh, the creativity during the pandemic, it was like being an open micer. It was like, well, you know, on Tuesday, there's a rooftop downtown. And then on Thursday, there's a show out by a swimming pool in Santa Monica. And on the weekend, you know, you get up early, you can go to the beach. It was like, where, where can we work? Anywhere we can work.
0: I saw, I saw Michael Chan in the back of a pickup truck in like this
1: little spot. Like, out. out <laughs> One time. It, was, it was wild. How's the dog, man? How's You still got the dog? Hulk is, he's fantastic, man. Mm-hmm. The, the greatest therapist I've ever had is my dog. You know, I read somewhere... It said that dogs have stopped more suicides than humans. Hmm. I'm like, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's nothing better than hanging. I'm, listen, Mike, I'm an old man with a dog. Mm. I, I look forward to the day where I can sit on a park bench mm. and watch my dog play. And that's that's the highlight of my day. Yeah. I look forward to that.
0: Man, I've been, I, I had one, I got one, I had it for 15 years and I learned what loyalty was, true loyalty. I mean, she loved me. I, just, I mean, it was true love, that dog. It was just, it was amazing. You know, it was driving me crazy kind of when, you know, the pandemic was kind of, uh, uh, you know, losing its grip a little bit. I saw people giving back their animals. I'm like, you. you that just made me sick, Like You're using yeah, You you're know, using they, there's
1: nothing lower than someone mean to an animal. Yeah. That's the lowest you can be in these people at least they were giving them back you know you see these people yeah. who leave an animal on the side of a highway it's like you should be left on the side of a highway it's <laughs> it's it's ridiculous but uh, no they, they're fan- and they're forgiving even of that like it, it's incredible true. Uh, true they're they're incredible they're incredible pets and you know cats cat lovers will tell you cats are great too Mm. Your cat doesn't care about you. <laughs> your cat really, really doesn't. Not in, that way, cat, in that way. In a way. Your cat tolerates you at best. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and my daughter's got some cats now. I'm
0: starting to get them know a little bit, and they're wild. They're really they'll they'll walk right by you if they ain't feeling it. It's crazy. Uh, <laughs> you really you get into a, a cancel culture, and I'm sure it's something that comes up in your world a lot. Comedians talk about it a lot, and I really appreciated some of your takes. I mean, kind of that you talked about the jester. And, and then the idea of like, if it's funny, that how important it is, like if it's funny that there was an idea you said there, and then you kind of talk about how the comedy club is. And I believe this fully is a sacred place. Kind of like you were talking about, um, you know, that joke was, it was, you know, was made for here, not, you know, an afternoon in CBS. And, um, you know, I just, it's, it's also, you know, how you don't see it in the audience. I just loved all the angles you came from on that is a, uh, is that something you, you know, kind of what's your take on that is, is I mean, when you're in that
1: place, it's, you know, good to go, right? I, I jokingly, I say, I wish I could get canceled because I could use the publicity, <laughs> right? Because, you know, Kathy Griffin sold out for three years after she was canceled. <laughs> yeah. But in the comedy world, it's overrated, right? When you go to comedy clubs, when you go to shows, people are still there live and laughing. And once again, the the it's the outside influence. Like I just read today that Dave Chappelle, this theater he was supposed to do in Minneapolis, canceled his show. This is a theater that he's worked before, that Prince used to do. Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, we have an obligation to our audience and you're... Anti-trans and this and that, and he talks about it over and over. Like, what? If, Whatever if happened to be in pro-art? Whatever happened to the fact that that you may not agree, but it's still art. And and mm-hmm. the audience isn't like, oh, he should never perform here. Yeah. It's some outside influence saying, oh, he should never perform here. Listen, it. You know, the the real uh, defenders of the Constitution not the right wing, not the not the proud boys, the real ones. No. They say the most difficult aspect of free speech mm. is listening to speech you don't like. Yeah, part of it. But you have to do it. You have part to listen. It. I don't agree with everybody, okay? As far as I'm concerned, the proud boys, it sounds like the headline band at a gay pride convention. Yeah. All right, if I was at a gay pride picnic and they were like, don't leave, the proud boys are coming, I would stay. I would stay to, to hear the proud boys there. You're an excellent band, uh, <laughs> but even those idiots, right? As long as they're not violent, you, yeah. you have to let them speak mm-hmm. because that's that's how freedom works. So yeah. if if you don't find Dave Chappelle funny, that's okay. You don't have to listen or watch Dave Chappelle. You don't have to listen or watch me, mm-hmm. but you can't shut us up. Yeah. And the harder you try, the louder we become. Yeah.
0: Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, I, and you also speak to the context of it. You know, you're talking about you know that people are seeing snippets of what Dave said, or you know, maybe you didn't even watch it. You know, there's it's really it's a, there's there's context to what
1: people are saying as well. I need. To... I am I am proud to have two or three lines in this uh-huh. that if you heard just those, I would be a horrible person.
0: Absolutely, like... <laughs> what, 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 what I like to call the the. The uh, little person in the black man joke. <laughs> you say something. Yeah, exactly.
1: Different. You say something exactly. Different. And yeah. if you took if you took the first half of that without the second half, yeah. I am a horrible person, <laughs> right? And that, and that's the whole point of the joke. The whole point yeah. of the joke is that that you have to remember the context yeah. and you have to hear the full thing. So you know, but you can do that with so many. There are so many things throughout. You know, what, what about Archie Bunker? without a laugh, yeah, Yeah. right? Without a laugh, Archie Bunker, Steve Bannon. Ooh, yes. Yes. (laughs) Oh, it's really, really racist stuff. But but the the thing was, they gave us enough credit to know he was joking. And Carol O'Connor brought that thing to the character that showed you, no, this ain't hate, this is ignorance, but this isn't a bad guy. Versus Steve Bannon, who, no, this is really a bad guy, you know, and and you have to give the audience enough credit to know the difference, right? I, I've always said that the audience is just like we're talking about dogs, dogs can sense where you're coming from, right? If, if there's a threat or if there's a the audience is the same way. When you make a joke, the audience knows, oh, that was funny or, oh, he means that or she means that or something, you know, so give them the credit to to perform in front of them and, and understand that. You yeah, know? absolutely. Well said. When
0: uh, I, I, cause I don't know uh, much of your background besides your long, amazing bio, but in your work career, when did you realize you kind of got a, a knack for this? When did when did you know? You
1: really... Well, I could always make people laugh yeah, and it could. wasn't until I started training. My first career was aerospace. And when I started training new mechanics, I was in front of the classroom and I was like, oh, I can make the whole room laugh. Like I had never done public speaking, which is a big fear people have. And I realized right away that no, I had no fear of it. I could just get up there and talk. No worries. Mm -hmm. When did you decide to make a career of it? Oh, from the first time I did it. Really? I, I took a comedy writing class. I did that five minute show at the graduation and from that moment had no doubt this is what I was going to do now it took a few, i was lucky okay it, it took 4 years before i came up here where i'm at right now just mm-hmm. for laughs in montreal yeah it's a big great right? new faces yeah, right. of comedy this mm-hmm. was back in 1997 got it and um i got a deal you know got discovered got and quit my day job and i've never looked back that's why i'll always love just for laughs right cuz this is this is where I went from being an open micer to being a full time comic. But yeah, um, yeah I I love it, man. I still love it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. You say lucky, as you got a lot of game. There's a lot of a lot of skill and talent there. That's you it's being modest there. But so you won the third season of NBC's Last Comic Standing. Is it correct that the sh- people never got to see you win it because it was canceled before it?
1: like the end hit the air is that true canceled. they canceled the final episode i (laughs) I always joke that they found out the black guy won and they were like oh not on nbc (laughs) not not (laughs) no that's crazy i I gotta tell you what was funny about that so there was some there was a lot of confusion about the show right because it had been a summer show and then season three was a fall season Mm -hmm. and that week we knew the show we we kind of knew it was up in the air and it went back and forth and and Jay Moore announced uh, famously at the time, famously announced me as the winner before the show. Like he he was like, they're screwing around, they canceled it, Alonzo Bowden won. And I was like, you know, did I win? So I called NBC and I said, did I win? And they're like, we can't verify that. I said, if they don't air it, does the winner still get the check? And they said, yes, the winner will wow. get paid. I was like, all right, we good. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> How, what was that
0: experience like, uh, uh competing in that type of forum? Um, you know, it, it like- was,
1: you know, I gotta tell you, Mike, it was, um, stressful at times, it was fun. Mm. It was, it, we had, more, we the comics had more fights with the producers than we did with each other because <laughs> they definitely tried to manipulate fights and stuff like that. And yeah. we're comics, right? We get along. Yeah, but but I have to say it was um, I made some great friends. You know, Hefron and I have been great friends ever since. Uh, Tam Pescatelli and I, me and Gary Goleman, we already knew each other, but the friendship has just stayed. You know, there was a camaraderie to doing it, even though we were competing against each other. Now, as a comic, what was super fun for me was being on TV every week, getting to do new material on TV awesome. every week as a comic is just a blast. That was that was amazing. And the only thing that changed, the only thing I wish uh, we had, we didn't have social media. All we had was MySpace back then. So we didn't get the acknowledgement that the later winners did. But But I can't say I have any regret over that. Overall for me, Last comic was a great experience, uh, made some good friends, stressed out. You know, and as far as the competition, this is what I tell people like, we knew every Tuesday was elimination week, right? From the very beginning, it's always so. I said, imagine having a job and you know someone's getting fired every Tuesday. So your only goal is to not be fired. And the next thing I'm standing on stage and it's just me, Heffron, and Gullman looking at each other like, well, we didn't get fired. Treat <laughs> man, <You know? laughs> oh, that's good. So you're a self-described
0: news junkie. Is it? Is it like curiosity? Uh, you know what's going on with the world. Or Is it you know in, inform your uh, you know comedy? Is it because kind of, I mean topical issues? Or no,
1: something? I grew up that way. Yeah, um, did you really? Yeah, that's what I'm asking. My parents, my parents back in the day in New York. We got a morning paper and an evening paper. They had two newspapers that day, back then. Yep. And we just read the news like you just, it was just normal yeah. to know what's going on in the world. I've never not had an interest in what's going on. And it, it was during last comic, really, when I when I really started saying that the world is funnier to me than my life. So that's when I started talking Uh, about what's going on versus what's going on with me. Now, I still do personal stuff, but it's probably at best 70-30 topical Uh versus personal. Uh, But, uh, you know, yeah, I find find the world hilarious, tragic, and somewhere in between. Yeah. (laughs) I'm right there. I stay
0: informed, but it's, and I'm, you know, I'm keeping up with the news all the time. It's just hard to keep your sanity sometimes. That's why we need, we need people like you breaking it down and, and laughing at it. Cause if we're not laughing at it. I, I don't know where we're going to go. Um, I, as I, I'm a, a hoops junkie. So of course, when you're talking 89 Clippers, I'm looking up the roster right away. There's some, you know, there's some names on there though. You got Danny Manning on there. Uh, I guess to people who like basketball, Ron Harper was on there. Uh, Benoit Benjamin. There's some. There's some guys besides you on, on, on the okay. roster. Okay, <laughs>
1: Danny Manning was an all-star. Yeah. Ron Harper was past his prime, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. You should see the uh, picture. Doc Rivers past his prime. Then, Benoit yeah. Benjamin, one of the many great busts. Totally. That the, That's the, how. That's why we know him. Drafted. Benoit Benjamin was gonna be the next Patrick Ewing. Uh, yeah. apparently he didn't hear it. He was busy eating cheeseburgers. <laughs>
0: uh <laughs> oh, I just love that bit. It was really, really great. Um what jazz you listen to? You mentioned Herbie Hancock and you love jazz. Like, oh man.
1: Um Marcus Miller, Robert yeah. Glasper, then the classic Glasper. stuff, obviously. Miles. Um, I'm also big on the fusion era in the '70s. Groups like Weather Report, Return to Forever. You know what? I'll tell you what I love about jazz musicians—they're yes, yes. the masters of their mu- of their instrument. Yeah. They're the masters of their art, right? So, so their talent on an instrument fascinates me. Yeah. And then the improv—and this was something that I really—I listened. Like you almost had to listen to learn it. Mm-hmm. how they they take a melody or they take a basic thing and then they start improving on it and where you can really find it in jazz is you can find like five versions of the same song and hear how different they are it's the basic songs the same but these five musicians have different takes on it but yeah the creativity and yeah. the mastery of jazz is what i what i love about the music yeah, I,
0: I love it. Absolutely. I've, I've done a couple podcasts talking to people about jazz and I just always try to tell people like break down, you know, I think, think people like almost have the stigma and almost like fear of like what jazz is. And like jazz, jazz can be whatever you want it to be. It doesn't, it's, it can't, it, there's accessible ways in there's it's, I think, I don't know. I think people almost get a little Well, bit, you know, what's
1: know. going on now yeah. is, it's just that like you look at a guy like Robert Glasper who's yeah. taken his it's basic jazz points. trio Right. And now has expanded into adding hip hop, funk, R and B, but still can go to jazz. Or you take a guy like Terrace Martin, who's Ooh. a brilliant jazz keyboard like player, Kendrick and stuff. Then you, you find out, yeah, he did the music for Kendrick Lamar. So you're yeah, like, yeah, oh, okay. Have a butterfly. So, <laughs> Come on. Yeah. It, it's it's brilliant. Yep. And these guys, these guys aren't being limited by and and they talk about it too when when you get those quote purists who are like, Oh, that's not real jazz. They're like, shut up. It's all jazz. And then, you know, Herbie Hancock, he's kind of the grandfather now, and he's blessed all of these young guys by playing with them and, and saying, yeah, man, do what you do, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. Change it. So you're in Montreal now. When, uh, when you get down to NYC, I want to see you do your thing. Uh, you, you- I, um, I don't
1: know for sure when I'll get back to New York. So I was in New York in June, mm-hmm. um, there's a documentary called The Right to Offend. Oh, wow. it, it's on A&E and you can get it on demand. It's the history of Black comedy in America. It is oh, yeah? brilliant. From vaudeville to today. Amazing. And I was honored to be one of the you know panelists, one of the talking heads in the documentary. So I was in New York during the Tribeca Film Festival yeah. when they premiered the documentary and I did a few spots. So... I, I don't know if I'll get back to New York before the end of the year uh but I I try to I love it yep. so just you know Alonzoboden.com yeah I, I know it sounds cheesy <laughs> no. but it still works keep you an eye it. on the website absolutely uh that's
0: um oh, that is, oh I want to ask and I didn't see it when I was just reading through your stuff you, you mentioned you're on NPR what do you what do what you on NPR what do you work I do a
1: show called wait wait Don't tell me it's a news quiz show on the weekends. That's uh one that's been of the recommended panels. to me many times. That's you're you're involved, okay? It's a lot of fun, man. It's a lot. I'm gonna tell you, tell you the story about that show. Huh? Um, I was like you. I'd never heard of it yeah. when I was invited to do it. All they told me was it was a panel news show. I've done plenty of panel shows. They were like, yeah, you just answer questions about the news and be funny. So I go on and I do it, I and I had a great time. And Peter Sago, the host, he was like, man, you're one of the best. First timers we ever had, this or that, right? So I'm like, this is great. Then I found out how big it was. It's like, yeah, we get about 5 million listeners a week. You know, Tom Hanks is a regular contributor, Barack Obama listens to the show. I'm like, whoa, what? So thank God I didn't know that going in because yeah, right? I would have definitely overthought the whole game. Um, I'm glad I walked in not knowing what I was doing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, one last question: What's it like working with
1: my good friend Jimmy Chairman on this special? There you go. Jimmy's great, man. Jimmy's Jimmy great. Man. big, big Sixer fan. Yes, which absolutely. Is, which is we go somewhat back. unfortunately unfortunate? Yeah, I know.
0: We go back. Well, I'm a Sixer. <laughs> that's that's pretty unfortunate. I love this special, man. I'm so glad to talk to you about it. The the way you broke down even BLM, the way you, this anti-vax, it's really it was it was right up my alley. I'm thrilled to speak with you about it and spread the word
1: about it. So thank you. I appreciate your time. Thank you, man, and thanks for your patience in me missing our earlier time. This is <laughs> no, great. It, this is good. Stroke on the drum. Shades of delight, Coco. Love